So Money, episode 259, Aaron Smith. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. We've got a really cool guest for you today. She's a farm girl turned serial entrepreneur, Erin Smith. Today, she's a business strategist, serial entrepreneur. Her story began when she, of course, was grown up on the farm, but then as a young adult, she was climbing the corporate ladder like a lot of us have done or are currently doing. And then she read a pivotal book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. We know the book. It's written by Robert Kiyosaki, one of my first guests on So Money. And it was after that great book that she finally learned the meaning of financial freedom and changed course. Because to her, financial freedom had always been about a job and 4% annual raises. But now she realized at a young age that it was about ownership. By her late 20s, Erin got her realtor's license. She was the owner of two homes. She then created a part-time pet sitter business. And within two years, the part-time job became a six-figure income with 12 employees. Five years after that, she sold the pet company and opened a mobile spray tanning business. Nine months later, she had created another successful business venture. And since then, she has spent time helping and investing in others and their ventures. She's taken products to market, launched online businesses, has taken on massive marketing changes and plans for businesses in a variety of industries. And since her dream is to help others, she created the Starters Club, which aims to help people wherever they are in their journey of entrepreneurship by working closely together and connecting entrepreneurs to the resources they need to help grow their business. She's also written a new book, Master the Start, 10 Steps to Get Out of Your Own Way and Create Your Dream Business. She's also, because why not, she has started a podcast to accompany the business. It's called The Starters Club. And there she talks about entrepreneurial topics and interviews great guests. A lot of takeaways from our time with Erin, including, you know, her just broad experience from real estate to pet sitting to spray tanning. She has a variety of businesses under her belt and she shares her aha moments for all of these startups and why they ultimately worked. She talks about managing your finances as a budding entrepreneur. Maybe you're still working a nine to five, thinking about starting a business or currently toying with the idea, tooling with the idea. How do you balance your finances to address your real life, your current life and your hopes and dreams? And Erin is not just an expert on starting businesses, but also the exit strategy, right? She managed to sell multiple businesses. So how do you know you're ready for that part? And how do you make the business that you have attractive to potential buyers? Here is Erin Smith. Erin Smith, welcome to So Money. Congratulations on your new book. Excited to have you on the show. Thank you, Farnoosh. I'm so excited to be here. Woman, you are you are a, a serial entrepreneur if there ever was one. I mean, I I didn't realize just how much experience you had starting and launching your own businesses. I read the book and I knew that you were an expert in your field that you had started 
some businesses, but like the variety of businesses that you have started, the scale and the types so varied. Can you share that a little bit with us? And you're just, you're also young too. So that on top of everything else just is just blew me away. So take us back to, you know, how you got started starting all these businesses. I mean, it's, it takes a certain personality, doesn't it? I mean, um, because what I found is that none of these businesses were really that similar. They were all kind of all over the place. Yeah, they were, you know, it was so honestly, and I, I share, I'm going to share this very beginning part because I want your listeners to understand the story I share is you don't have to know what you're doing. You just have to simply figure it out. And for me, I never thought I'd ever want anything outside of corporate America. I grew up on a farm. So to have somewhere that I was done at five o'clock every day, plus I got vacation, plus I got holiday. Like I never had Christmas off growing up. It was just chores to do. So I loved corporate America. And what happened was I was in my, in my early twenties, I had bought a a house, I had bought a car and I thought corporate America was just the ladder to climb for the rest of my life. And, and layoffs started happening. And I realized I needed to figure out a plan B and just at least not quit corporate America, but figure out how to make other income. And that's when I read rich dad, poor dad, I went to real estate school at night and I started investing in real estate at my bought my first house at 22. And by the time I was 27, I actually purchased my second home. I lived between Dallas and and Phoenix for a year. So I was investing across the country. It was really exciting. I, I loved it. It wasn't a get rich quick thing for me. It was very slow and steady. That's how I always looked at money. And I never thought I'd be an entrepreneur, but because I had invested in real estate, I, one of the ventures I did in real estate was some condos out in the Carolinas. And we, it was a business partnership with my friend and her mom. And so I learned about LLCs by doing that. We had LLC'd. And so when I came to Dallas, I was living here and my, he wasn't, he's not my ex-husband, but he was going to school for on a PhD. And I said, okay, if you're going to, if you were going to work before I came out here, you're going to have to work prior. And if you know me is to know my love of animals, I adore dogs. I'm active in rescue. And we started looking at other, uh, other ways for when we travel, what we're going to do with our dogs. And we came upon pet sitting and I said, you know, this would be so much fun. And he said, can I start a pet sitting business? We'll do it for the summers. I'll just do it as that's how I'll make extra money. I said, fantastic. And so I knew how to make an LLC. I called a friend to make a logo. I figured out how to build my own website. And our first job was a everyday walk. I couldn't believe people paid for that. So I was like, okay, so we're going to have to, this is going to be more than a summer gig basically just figured things out along the way, figured out how to market. I, I'm a dork. So I just used the money that we made to invest. But it was about a year into the business when we were going out of town and trying to find somebody to come take care of our dogs and nobody called us back. So this light bulb moment went off for me where I'm like, you know what, who else isn't getting a call back? And that's when I really started digging into marketing. I taught myself Google AdWords, started in, in long story short, having no idea what I was doing, literally hired my first employee a couple years in, came home and Googled, how do I hire an employee? Because I had no idea. I just figured these things out and built that to mid six figures, sold it and went on to the next thing, which was just another idea that my mom 
is a skin cancer survivor. I knew I was on a track for skin cancer and I started spray tanning and I hated the booze. And so a friend of mine said, you know, I went to this party in Austin, a spray tan party. And I said, oh my gosh, that let's find somebody to come spray tan us. Nobody was in our area who did it close by. So that was another, you know what? I bet you somebody else would love this idea. So that's what my businesses have been of just kind of these ahas. I bet somebody else would love to do this. And I sold that one too. So that's just what it's, it's been a, a fun journey for me and just figuring new things out, taking on new challenges, but it's just a matter of, you, you don't have to have all, in fact, you'll never have all the answers to start. And I've been very fortunate that I've just always figured things out along the way. I think that's what trips us up too, is that we have these aha moments, but we're afraid to get started. We feel like we have to do all this research and all this outreach and raise all this money and take all this time to start to have the confidence to do it. But uh, what's your advice about that? How do you, what is the art to the start in your words? Well, I always compare starting a business to parenting because what I always tell people, I know for me, and I'm sure a lot of people were better off at the beginning of parenting than I was, but there's no way in the world the hospital should ever let us take our firstborns home. Unless like we had younger siblings and we actually really know what we're doing because we never have all the answers. And you just have to begin. And I think you have to know it's about, I always tell people it's not how much, you know, it's not how much money you have. It comes to one simple factor of how badly do you want this? Because you will, you will figure out a way to overcome every obstacle that hits you. As long as you know, you're willing to do whatever it takes to get through those. But some people, they, they start and they're kind of, Oh, well, maybe I want to try this. And then when a hardship comes, they're like done. And so it's just really about having a fire. I, you know, and one of the things I write about in my book, it's, it's really understanding your why, because when there's hard times that come, you're going to say, you know what, it's worth it. Let me just, you know, plow through this and just really setting a strong foundation and understanding you're not going to have all the answers, but you have to take those first steps and you're going to start figuring it out. You have started, so you said real estate, pet sitting, online businesses, spray tanning. When you have those aha moments, what in your head signals to you, this is a good idea other than just, I need this, no one's providing it, or is that all it is? Um, that's a good question. It's a little bit of both. I, I know I always have confidence. I can put my own twist on it. I always do some analysis. Like, uh, you know, when it came to the pet sitting business, I knew there were people who did it, but I knew I could do it better. I knew, you know, I even charged more than most people were charging because I knew I could do it better. And with other things, it's just making sure that there is a market for it. I definitely do. I'm, I'm a Google. I I love Google. I love Google keywords and the keyword search tool. So I always look and see what people are searching for, do some research online to see what people are posting and asking questions about. But even I, I think the biggest key too, when starting, when you see somebody doing what you're already wanting to do, I had a friend tell me this and it was really a key moment. That's a good thing. A lot of us will get really frustrated and we'll say, oh, somebody's already doing it. I can't do it. But no, you can because they've just proven that there's a market for it. And so it's just a matter of putting, you know, I know what I do right now. There's a lot of people doing and there's people who will go to them and, you know, 
other, my competitors, which is fine, but I know I can do it my way. I can do things different and, and what I feel is better. So that's why I continue forward with business ideas. And is that why you wanted to write the book? I think uh, your book is going to help so many people because we do get stuck on just that beginning phase. I think it was Barbara Corcoran who said once that sometimes the hardest part about launching a business is the the voices in your head in the beginning that tell you, you can't do this. It's not the logistics or the fact that the resources aren't there. It's your own sick, twisted head, you know, mindset that's telling you you're either not worth it, you can't do it, it's too difficult, you'll never succeed. Um, so uh, what has been the feedback from your book? Really, it's been great feedback. And, and I did want a place because, you know, it's, I always, another thing I always tell people is that there's only one difference between massively successful people and unsuccessful p- people. It's not that we don't, the, the successful don't have that voice in their head. We all, that is one thing I have learned, especially starting this business and having my podcast. I have talked to so many people and we all have that inner demon going, who are you? What do you think you are? I did this with my business, with the book. I'm like, who do, who do I, who am I to tell people how to start a business? I've only, I've only built one to mid six figures, or I've only sold two. There's been people who've sold so many more. Who am I to do that? And you just, you've got to get past those demons because the only difference is that the successful people say, screw you to those voices in their head and say, I'm going to do it anyway, where the unsuccessful listen to them. So there's just been, you know, a lot of great feedback of, gosh, you, you knew where I was like you, 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 I'm so right here at this moment, you know, in my business, people just starting out and, and pushing through. I just wanted to be, I wanted an honest book of this is what it's going to take. You can do this. You just have to push through it. And this is how you get through those areas to be successful. So it's been, it's, it's so humbling for Anoush. I was so scared to do this, to be honest with you. I felt, I think writing a book and you have several under your belt, I, it's, it's so, you are so vulnerable when that book goes out. I, it's the most vulnerable thing I've ever done. Like you, I just feel like I'm standing naked in front of you. Like here I am just all of me read this please. And it's just, and to get the feedback, like, it's just, it's been amazing. I I'm so grateful. And it's just another reason to push through those, those inner voices who are saying, who are you to do this? Mm-hmm because you don't know the impact you're going to have on anybody at any point. And so you have to, you have to push through. It's a net positive. Let's just put it that way. There are going to be some negative feedback, some positive feedback, some outrageous feedback, but in the end, you know, I think you're, you are, and you will continue to help people. And that is why you do it. Um, and, uh, and I, I'm surprised you were a little nervous, Erin, because I honestly, like you've started businesses fearlessly. A book is just easy, easy peasy. I think I feel like you've done such more triumphant things in terms of just the, the energy and the time and the, the determination. So I'm happy to know that this was a, this was a successful endeavor for you. Yeah. And, So there's two points to that. First being um, just the, you know, I'm, I was so scared. I I wasn't scared of the people who came out of nowhere and said, you suck. Like those people don't free, like just, there's just people you will never be able to please. And that's okay. What I was so scared of was letting the people down who have been following me up until this point. That's was worry number one. And second was, if you read the book, the big leap, have you ever read that? I 
I haven't. I'm, I'll be it's, honest. No, it's an incredible book. If you ever get a chance, read it because he talks about our zones. And one is, you know, the highest is your zone of genius where you really feel like this is the, like, no question, this is a place to be, but we keep ourselves back from that because we have high expectations to be there because that's where we know we should be. But what happens if we do this and it isn't all that it seems or it doesn't play out like we imagine it to. So a lot of times we hold ourselves back. And for me, writing has been a huge piece of the pie for me. I mean, if you knew me at the age of eight, nine, that's all I did was write. It's all I did was write. So I was so worried to finally put that book out into the world and not have it live up to the expectations I'd set up for myself for 30 years, if that makes sense. Um, so that's where a lot of the nerves came from. Sure. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure on yourself. I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> yeah. Erin, what's your financial philosophy? Let's get so money here and talk about your money mantra as an entrepreneur, as a woman, as a mom. What is it as a new author? <laughs> what yeah. is your money mantra? It's always been slow and steady. Um, I am that person who I've always put money away for savings. Everything's been a part of savings and it has definitely paid off for me big time. Like, I mean, I have, I never have to put another dime in investments and I'm set for retirement. So, and I'm 38. So, I mean, it's, but it's, but it hasn't happened overnight. It's been 20, almost 20 years now of investing. So it's, you know, even if you're getting frustrated, even if you're, you know, it, things aren't, you know, when the, I mean, come on, the economy, things are going to happen here coming up with, it's all writing on the wall, but just stand back. And one of the best money advices I can ever give pieces of money advice was I've been through massive real estate ups and downs. Okay. I was in Phoenix when you couldn't lose money investing in real estate. And I remember Robert Kiyosaki living there and he said, you know, cause people were like, Oh, are you jumping in this real estate market? Are you jumping in? And he goes, when you can't lose, stay out. And I wish I would have followed that advice when I heard it. Uh, but I did it. And I luckily I'm on the, I'm on the upside of that. I had a few hard years in real estate, but that is the best advice. I can looking back now, like the stock market, when you just couldn't lose in the stock market, sit yeah. back, wait, when you can't lose. And you know, right now it's happening in Dallas. You can't lose in Dallas. Like, you know, real estate's going up and up and up. Just sit back, get cash strong. And you are going to be so happy and thankful that you did. I love that. When you can't lose, stay out. And that's really more a mentality. I mean, perhaps the market isn't so hot, uh, and, and you're having some trepidation about it, maybe that's a time to go in. Uh, but if it's like a no brainer, when like your cab driver is telling you to buy real estate, you know, when it's gotten to be so <laughs> like, just everyone's in agreement about it, then maybe it's time to just get home and shore up some cash. Exactly. Yes, exactly. What's your money memory growing up? You said you grew up on a farm. So tell me about your exposure to money as a kid. What was your greatest memory? It was that money was, was hard to come by. It, not that it, we were, we weren't broke by any means. We were definitely middle-class growing up, but it was just, I mean, I worked so many hours on a farm and I saw my dad work so hard. So for me, the money memory was that it took really, really, really a lot of hard work to make money. And it was one of the biggest mindsets I had to overcome 
you know, even in my thirties, I worked so many, I mean, that's why I was successful in business was because I just worked, I can outwork anybody. I can outwork anybody on an hour basis, but I had to learn that it didn't have to be that way. I could just work smarter and yes, it's going to take a lot of hours, but you can be smarter about it. And that money is a lot easier to come by than many of us think it to be. Um, were you ever raised thinking you were going to have a farm life as a, as an adult? Was there, is there, was, I don't know how it works with farming. I mean, is it something that is, get, does get passed down to gener- to the next generation? You would think so, right? Yeah, well, my dad would love to tell you that we would, but I was in a weird situation. So my parents actually were from Milwaukee and it's what those of you who don't know, it's a, it's a bigger city in Wisconsin. It's Wisconsin's biggest city. So they were city people who moved to the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. My dad had this dream of owning a farm. And so they bought a farm and I lived in a town of 1200 people and I hated it. <laughs> and so, and my, but my mom was always this inc- like, don't stay here. Don't stay here. Don't stay here. So I just, you know, my dad wanted me to go to school. It was always something I knew was on the radar and I didn't want, I didn't want to become, I, I didn't want to be a farmer. I would love to have land again at some point and have just like a little hobby farm, but it wasn't expected that we were, I think there, I have two other siblings. I think my dad would have liked for us to, but not, it wasn't cut out for any of us. <laughs> at least you're honest. Yeah, no, I, 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 it's such a hard, it was so great. Like I have a work ethic that like no other because of it. I witnessed things. I mean, I used to like, this is, I used to birth cows. Like I would, I could hook up like binder twine and pull. I've delivered calves before. Like now this I know where life. you get it. Now I know where you, you have it. You are, you're birthing cows at 11. Okay. <laughs> you can start a few businesses in your sleep. Um, exactly. To, well, let's talk failure, Erin, because that's also part of your book, you know, and this idea that you need to just sort of face fear and, and accept failure. It's going to happen. It's just part of the road when you're an entrepreneur, it's part of the road in life. Um, and we talked a lot about how you started these these mini businesses, all very uh, different. But was there one that kind of blew up in your face or went a direction that you were not expecting and it was a failure in the moment, but later was a huge learning lesson for you? Yeah. So my second business was a... Um so the tanning business and I had big aspirations to franchise this thing. I had, I was, I built it so fast within, with, I I brought on a partner. She was so overwhelmed within a few months that she left. We started it together. And then I bought her out within nine months. I had seven employees. I was working out of six salons. I was literally traveling all over this Dallas, Fort Worth, and then talking to a lawyer about setting the business up for a franchise. Eventually it takes a couple of years, but we were starting the process. I built it so fast. It was out of control, period, end of story. I had, I mean, it was just, I was flying by the seat of my pants and then I ended up unexpectedly getting pregnant. And so I had, at the time it looked like a massive failure cause I had to cut back. I had to cut back. Um, I had a couple girls leave because of other circumstances, very random, like boyfriends cheating on her. So I didn't hire and fill those places. I had to pull back on some of the salons and it was a really hard moment for me because I just grew too quickly, too fast. And I had no control. It was just out of control, but it ended up being a blessing in disguise because had I built it to the level of franchising, I don't think I would have enjoyed it. I think it would have been 
just a path I went too far down that couldn't that I couldn't get out of if that made sense Mm -hmm. so a rabbit hole (laughs) yeah exactly like something I just kind of kept digging deeper and deeper and you just kind of stick with it even though there's no passion so it ended up working out because I pulled back the business and was able to sell it in a few years but it was it was really hard for me to kind of swallow my pride and say I I went too big too soon What's interesting is that you sold all these businesses. Can you share a little bit about that process? At what point in your business can you sell? Are you positioned to be attractive to a buyer? And some might, because I would think it has to be like it's at a point where you're just doing so well and you're in the seven figures. But you did this, you know, you sold six figure businesses. So when is the right time to sell and how do you do it correctly? Well, the first business I... I really was smart about, I'm like bragging, but I would really kind of was strategic about it. Let me put it that way. Because what I did was I had a a former uh, client who was an accountant. So she was definitely corporate, want to become, want to come and work for me. And I knew I probably needed to give her more responsibility than just being a pet sitter to, to actually work for me. And it was this perfect timing where a competitor of mine was selling out. So what I did, this was about three years into the business. So I bought that competitor and gave it to her to run it and said, listen, you run this business as is. We're going to run two businesses. I'm going to kind of set you up for this because I knew I didn't want to do this forever. And I just was kind of preparing ourselves. My ex-husband and I were supposed to move out out of the town. And so I was setting everything up. So what I did was I had her run this kind of leg of the business. And then when I was able to trust her, I started bringing her into the main, my main business running that. And it was this perfect transition because when I was ready to sell, everybody knew her, I was back behind the scenes. And so it was just this beautiful little, like, just take this over for me, write me a check and all is well in the world. And so it worked out great. And so I, you know, I'll tell people a lot, like for small businesses, try to get somebody in there that you can kind of just pull the reins over to eventually, because if they're really good and do what they love, they're going to want to run their own business anyway. So you either, they become your competitor or you sell them your thing and move on to something else. And that's essentially what I did. And then the second business was, I just, um, I wanted to focus more on this business. And so I put that one up for sale and just, it was kind of a funny story how I found the buyer, but, uh, it was just kind of, I knew I didn't want to run both. I, I, I actually just wanted somebody to take care of my current clients. I wasn't looking to make a fortune on it. And I wanted somebody just to be able to walk in and not have to do the building blocks that I did. So I was just at a point where I was kind of done with that one. Well, good for you for just, you know what, uh, moving on, you know, that's, that's part of the hard, you get so emotionally attached sometimes I think to your business that you don't feel that even if you're not really happy, it's like, well, it's my baby. I started it. It's really hard to let go, but you're you're pretty good at that. I had to learn. That was my first business. I did not want to let go. And the moment I let go and could trust was I think one of the happiest days of my life. It truly, you got to let go. Yeah. My gosh. Well, we're almost out of time here, Aaron, but I want to ask you a couple more questions. One is from your personal life experience, what is like the best financial habit you would give to someone who is starting a business on the side? Maybe they've got a nine to five and they're transitioning or they've just launched and they're starting out, what's a good financial habit that you practice that you think others can benefit from? 
Well, when you're, if you, if you have a nine to five or you're, you know, you have some sort of always pay yourself first. I think, you know, I always was in that position, no matter what X amount went into savings. And that's what, you know, has put me in a, in a great bind. And I think, you know, as you're starting your business, really think about how you can do that initially, because it's just, it's going to set you, even if it's just a little bit every month, it builds over time. I know it's basic one-on-one stuff, but it really does work. All right. Ready for some so money fill in the blanks? Just a few. All right. Go for it. If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say a hundred million bucks. The first thing I would do is. I would. And I mean, I would figure out ways to invest it. <laughs> I, really, I'm, I know that's like a nerdy answer, but it's so true. I would. Well, in your business and in, in what ways invested back into their into your business life or into yourself? I think both. I think I'd go into some uh, multifamily real estate, honestly, hmm. and I, I would buy some there and then, yes, yeah, set myself up in my business a little bit more, hire a few people in my business, is, I think is what I would do. I wouldn't, I would never just sit back. I'd actually buy a few uh, vacation investments too. So if I'm getting, if I'm, if I'm hearing this correctly, those are the areas that you think are kind of hotbeds right now, not to the point where, um, you can't lose, <laughs> no. but those are some opportunities that you're seeing in your area. Yeah. I just think those are always good, good places to go. I think, you know, I may sit back a little bit, at least you're not worried about your cash flow because you can pay cash for something like that. So even if it dips a little bit and, and like I said, I go long-term, so I'm not looking at buying a home in Lake Tahoe and, making 400 million on it in a, in a year. It's definitely long-term pay it off type of thing. So I would definitely take the money I get off of like the, the, um, the lottery and put it into other things that will make me money other places. Spoken like a true entrepreneur who has read rich dad, poor dad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the one thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better is Say that one again. The one thing I what? The one thing that I spend my money on that makes my life easier or better is? Help. Help around, like we have help around the house. Um, I, I'm still trying to work on the assistant thing I haven't had, but when I have a great assistant, there's nothing greater than that. But yeah, definitely take off the things off your plate that yes, you could do yourself, but they're not they're just not making you money. Just take them off your plate and have like, I have somebody who does my laundry. I mean, it's so simple and stupid, but my God, it saves me so much time every week. You're not the first entrepreneur slash successful person who's told me that they don't do their own laundry um, <laughs> among other things that they don't do. And last but not least, I'm Aaron Smith and I'm so money because. You know, I, I just, I learned at such a young age to invest versus spend. And I, you know, I, I, I just, it's, I'd rather have, if I have $2,000, I'd rather invest it and then buy my Louis Vuitton purse later than spend it and not have anything. So it's just, it's such a simple concept, but it really does work. Just sit back, wait, invest now, and it's going to pay off so much more later on. You know, I always, I always say like, I have a little boy and you have kids. If there's two things I can teach my kids, one is delaying gratification and self-restraint. They're going to be fine. Yes. It's <laughs> it, so true. It sounds like you have those qualities. And so on that note, Aaron Smith, thank you so much. Um, congratulations on 
on your book release, Master the Start, 10 Steps to Get Out of Your Own Way and Create Your Dream Business. And uh, just really congratulations and um, wishing you continued success. Well, thank you, Farnish. I very much appreciate it. And thank you so much for having me on today. That's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Erin Smith, her website is thestartersclub.com. She's also on Twitter at The Starters Club. Her book is called Master of the Start, 10 Steps to Get Out of Your Own Way and Create Your Dream Business. All of this information at somoneypodcast.com where you can also get the transcript from this interview and all previous interviews. And of course, there you can submit a question. Click on Ask Farnoosh every Friday. I dedicate the show to replying to you and answering your questions. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. I hope your day is so money. Money.